Hey, you're listening to Cut for Time, a podcast from Faith Church located on the north side of Indianapolis. My name is Claire Kingsley. Each week, I'll sit down with one of our preaching pastors to discuss their Sunday sermon. Cut for Time is a look behind the scenes of sermon preparation, and they'll share with us a few things that we didn't hear from the sermon on Sunday. Thanks for listening. Well, Jeff, welcome to Cut for Time. If we make it through uninterrupted, that will be an answer to prayer. Hey, I love I love getting together with uh, all the Kingsley females. <laughs> well, we'll see. They, um, we might have like a few little squeaks from Addie, who's on my lap. So we'll see if she has anything to add. Yeah. Um, all right, Jeff, why don't you give us a an overview of your sermon from Sunday and, you know, how it connects to what Joey preached on last week. And um, I think just like your final main takeaway for us at the end of the day. Sure. Yeah. So this is, uh, I think I mentioned on Sunday, commentators talk about this as one of the not even most debated passages, but just dense. And there's a lot that's going on here where Paul is looking back to Isaac and Ishmael and Abraham and Sarah and drawing, drawing symbolism, drawing, uh, he says, you know, we can read this allegorically. His, his big concern is this relationship intervention uh, that, that Joey kind of gave us the framework for the week before, where uh, this whole issue of Jewish believers uh, in Galatia who are telling the Gentiles, you know, to really be the people of God, you need to take on the Mosaic code. You, you need to obey Torah, circumcision and food laws and observing Sabbaths and special days and months. And, uh, and, and Paul's big concern through the whole, you know, first four chapters of this book has been, no, that, that is, that is going backwards. That, that is not how we know that we are the people of God. It's all about faith in Christ. And, and this relationship intervention has, uh, in, in last week's passage and this week, was about saying, look, you, you know I love you. You know I care for you. I want what's best for you. But here's what I see that's going on. And then in the passage that we looked at this last Sunday, starting in verse 21, Paul is basically saying, let me, let me see if I can illustrate this. Let me tell you a story of where this is going to head and what what you're going to end up, the place you're going to end up in if you keep going down this path, because it's not good. And that's where he goes back to this image of uh, Abraham and Sarah and Hagar coming up with this plan in their own strength, in the flesh, Paul says, to try and get God's promises to happen, uh, to, to try and uh, make, make things happen in the way that they think they ought to go. And and instead, there's the son of the promise, Isaac, that comes about because of God's intervention and God's work. And, and Paul says that's a picture of what's going on with how you guys are thinking about your relationship with God and your identity as God's people. On the one hand, you've got uh, the, the child of the flesh, which is uh, Hagar and her son Ishmael, and he represents law-keeping and the old covenant uh, and working to, you know, be right with God and identify ourselves through our efforts, through the flesh, he says. And on the other hand, you've got Isaac, the child of promise, which is a gift of God's miraculous intervention. It's just the gift that we receive. And that's the gospel. That's Jesus. That's our identity in him that is by faith. And, and he's saying, if you, he's saying, if you keep, going back to this identity of law keeping, you're 
putting yourselves outside of the boundary of God's people. You're, you're going backwards. It's like saying the Messiah hasn't come because it's for freedom that God has set you free. God wants better for you than this path that you're heading yourself down. Okay. The, the, the direction that you're heading is going to be about slavery and pride or, or despair and self-righteousness. And you're putting yourself back under the bondage of obedience to God's law. And God wants better for you. He wants you to be free and he wants you to rest in that freedom. Uh, so don't, don't listen to those messages. Don't, don't head down that path. Uh, that's, that's kind of the big, the, the big picture that uh, I think Paul's getting at here. Okay. Thanks, Jeff. That's helpful. Yeah, sure. So um, there's obviously a lot to talk about in this passage. And mm. um, you had mentioned that it's among commentators, a, um, it's a, our, I guess they would agree that it's like a, one of the most dense or difficult passages to talk through. So um, can you give us an idea of like, how would the original audience have received this message? Mm. Um, would they also feel like, well, we need to slow down. This is really dense. Um, or would it be like ease, more easily understood what all the references um, mean because they're really familiar with the Old Testament? How would that be received? Yeah, so I, commentators, again, are kind of divided on this, and it, it seems to make sense that um, the, the Jewish Christians in Galatia would have gotten this pretty quickly, like uh, what Paul is doing, because his argumentation is very rabbinic. He's, 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 he's arguing and, and using the forms of argumentation that sound like a Jewish rabbi. And, uh, and, and he's drawing these Old Testament themes and characters and history in, into service of this point he's trying to make. And probably would have been less familiar, for sure, to the Gentile believers uh, in, in these churches in southern Galatia. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's an interesting one. It's almost, you could almost expect or read this as Paul is sort of making a point for the sake of the Gentile believers, but he's really expecting that the Jewish believers are the ones that are going to get this more immediately. Sure. Because he's the ones in a sense that, um, they're the ones in a sense that need to hear this in terms of where they're heading and where they're taking their brothers and sisters who don't come from a Jewish background. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, it's a dense passage. Is there anything that you had to leave out um, or cut for time? Mm. Uh, yeah, I mean, some things, again, like as you pointed out, it, it is kind of a dense passage. There's a lot of interpretive issues and some interesting, you know, kind of nerdy uh, linguistic issues that, uh, you know, commentators and pastors could kind of geek out on. Um, but it wasn't so much uh, cut for time as much as kind of pressed for time, because it is a, it's a passage that I think encourages us to really slow down and reflect. And, you know, that, that we just don't often have time to be able to do that because there's so much going on here. Um, and so not really anything cut for time, I'd say in, in trying to cover this, uh, you know, there are a couple, couple of things that I mentioned that I would, you know, maybe have said a little differently or gone, wish I'd had a little more time to uh, pull out. And one was, you know, when, when I 
talk in this section about what is what does true freedom even really look like? Uh, I, I made a comment along the lines of, uh, you know, for most of us as Americans, we don't even think of freedom as an issue because we've always been free. And someone very graciously and helpfully pointed out, you know, that's not totally true for everyone in America. And on the eve of Martin Luther King Jr. Day, um, yeah, that's that that was one that uh, probably could have just worded better because freedom hasn't been the experience of everyone in our nation's history. And, you know, I'm just thinking from the perspective of most of us as probably white American Christians born here and raised to just sort of think, well, of course we're free. But it's also good to remember that hasn't been the case for a lot of people and their heritage and history and experience. Uh, so maybe, maybe there's even uh, another connection point there. Uh, and then uh, there's a really good, a really good quote that I had that I had shared from. Uh, I mentioned a lady who uh, graduated from Trinity Evangelical uh, Divinity School or denominational school. Um, Dr. Sharon Hadi Miller uh, talking about identity becoming a religion in our culture, and I I think there's a lot of a lot of helpful insight. That's a that's a powerful realization. Uh, when yeah. you look at the world around us and how we want to label and identify and put people in boxes, um, I, I just I guess I wanted to say it's not Paul is not saying that those markers, those identifications are not important, that they're not a part of who we are. He's, mm -hmm. He certainly wants us to see our primary identity is in Christ, but that doesn't mean that race or gender or background or culture or ethnicity are unimportant or meaningless. It, it doesn't mean that, uh, you know, God isn't working in those things or uh, that those are totally unimportant to us. Um, and, and I really, I liked what she said uh, towards the end of that quote, that, that, that the attention in our culture to recognizing people have different backgrounds, experiences, and perspectives is a needed correction, she says. But it's also good for all of us to recognize, you know, that's not just on one side of a political or cultural spectrum. Uh, we, we are in a culture that is making identity into kind of a religion of its own with its own kind of evangelism and its own, you know, offers of righteousness and identity and hope and um, who's going to win and whose who's identity is, uh, you know, the most important. And um, there's, there's some helpful insights from recognizing not everyone has experienced the same things and sees things the way we do. But Paul is trying to drive us back to a foundational identity in Christ that actually gives us a confidence to acknowledge, to look honestly at our all those other identities and relationships that we have, and and to hold them loosely uh, for all of us, not not just uh, for people in certain groups or ends of a political spectrum. Yeah. So in last week's episode of Cut for Time, Joey went through reasons why we have a sermon, what the outcome hoped out hoped for outcomes of a sermon would be, and. Um, Sometimes it's appropriate, or it's like the right passage for uh, the sermon to be almost like a counseling session, you know, or mm. whatever. Mm. But he said, ultimately, mm. the, the main purpose of the sermon is to 
pray, prompt us to praise Jesus for what we've mm. learned and what's in the text, right? So in a passage like this, you could read through it and almost like your eyes, you feel your eyes glaze over at some point if you don't understand it, if you're reading it on your own, right? Or you're just like, man, this is too much. How could I possibly unpack it all right now in a short, quiet time? Um, or maybe some people don't, can't relate because they have have all the time in the world, but um, how does this passage in particular prompt us to praise Jesus mm. and um, yeah, bring it back down, I think, to, we've been at 10,000 feet, bring it back down mm. to, you know, just like our final thought for the day, maybe. Yeah, sure. Um, one, of, one of the things that we talked about in the message was unpacking a little of, you know, what does freedom really mean? What does that look like? And I think to, to, to think about, you know, what, is, what does freedom look like in the Bible and that where Paul kind of landed this, it is for freedom that Christ has set me free. You know, it's, it's probably helpful for us to think, of, uh, think about, reflect on, what do I, do I really believe that about Jesus? Um, do, do I really believe that he wants me to be free and alive in the best way possible? Because Ultimately, all those questions of how I'm living and the choices that I make and how I respond to situations and how I deal with frustrations or things going on in the world or things in my life or in relationships, um, a lot of that comes down to, do I believe that Jesus is good in this situation and that I can trust him, that, that what, he's, what he's called me to, what he's empowered me to, the way he's directed me is actually for freedom. Because a, a lot of times I think, you know, my, my response to those situations, if I'm responding in frustration or impatience or irritation or selfishness, it's because I, I don't really believe Jesus wants me to be free. Like what he's leading me to is going to be less good for me. It's going to be burdensome. It's going to restrict me. It's, you mm -hmm. know, it's, it's going to make my life less good in some way. Yeah. And I just, you know, if, if I can just take that thought and, and carry that into my day, Jesus has called me into freedom. And if that helps shape the way that I think about what's happening in my life, the way that I'm responding to people around me and circumstances that says, okay, I, I want to trust and believe that it is for freedom, real freedom, that Jesus has set me free. That helps me. That, that is the, the more that I'm thinking through that, reflecting on that, acting out of that, trusting that, you know, that's not a quick fix. It's not a three steps to, you know, dealing with this problem person or the situation, but it starts to shape more and more who I am and how I respond to things, how I look at things. Um, if, if the freedom that Jesus intends for me is good and life-giving, that really helps me. Mm -hmm. in my job, in raising kids, in difficult relationships, in this frustrating circumstance that I'm in the middle of. Um, Jesus wants me to be free, and, and he wants me to be free and alive into every, and into the ultimate good that God has created for me. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that, wow, that helps me when things are not going the way that I want, and when life is hard or frustrating or boring or disappointing or lonely or, you know, I'm going through hard things. Jesus has actually come to give me a freedom that is life-giving. Mm -hmm. 
in my relationship with him. So yeah, I, that's, I think that's, hopefully that helps bring it down a little. Um, you, you deserve better was, you know, how, how we looked at this passage. And I, to remember that that's what Jesus is saying to us. I want better for you than, than what this world can offer you, than, uh, you know, turning back to other things for solutions or shortcuts. Uh, I want you to have true freedom. And if you believe me, if you trust me in that, I'll help lead you into real freedom that's life-giving and joyful. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Cut for Time. If you wish to submit questions to our pastors following their sermon, you can email them to podcast at faithliveitout.org or text them into our Faith Church texting number, and we'll do our best to cover it in the week's episode. If this conversation blessed you in any way, we encourage you to share it with others. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week.